welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Cheers. Yeah. And joining me tonight, uh, I'm with uh, one of my really dear good friends um, who I've met uh, from uh, uh, organizing in the last year, last summer. Um, she has been involved in the People's Revolution. Um, she's also involved in uh, Midcoast MKE, which is uh, the monthly concert series that's going on at the Cooperage, raising donations for uh, social justice, um, doing uh, live streams. And uh, I'm very excited to talk to her a little bit about uh, uh, being radical, uh, about uh, doing the, the the music thing right now during uh, quarantine and uh, just uh, surviving the hellscape. So Rocky, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really not as important as Ben makes me seem. <laughs> God, give yourself some credit, God damn it. It's not in my nature. Oh, well, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I, I like have wicked imposter syndrome myself. So I never feel like I'm actually doing anything like substantial doing these episodes or doing breaking and entering. Like, I don't feel like I'm ever doing that much. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I'm busy all the time. And yet it seems like I just have to fill it with more at all times. Otherwise I don't feel like I'm doing enough ever, yeah. which is why Zoom 24 seven. I'm okay with this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now this is this has been like my way of keeping in touch with or making new friends or this is just how I talk to people these days. Um, otherwise, I just lay under the covers and drink beer. <laughs> the only reason that I hang out with people is because I go to school with people and organize with people. Otherwise, I don't I don't talk to people. Yeah, right. I mean, it, well, we were saying this before we started recording that like, it's just like, there's not a whole lot to touch base about because a lot of us just kind of are existing right now and just doing the exact same thing like every day. And it's like, I don't really have much to report, dude. Any of my really close friends already know what I'm doing and it's the same thing all of the time or they'll be trying to talk to me and I'm like, sorry, I got to go. I've got another meeting randomly because everything I do is just high stress. And so I just have, I'm like, I, you already know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't have to tell you. I'll talk to you in a couple months when something new happens, but before then I'll be in school. Bye. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's like maybe when it gets so, you know, warmer we'll, we'll go on a walk or something but until then uh uh i'm just hiding out you know this winter has also been ungodly terrible yeah i moved in the first snowstorm oh jesus uh, it was really stupid it was a very dumb decision um so rocky uh tell me about how your day was what what'd you do today what did i Man, today has been the longest day ever. What day is it? Tuesday? Yeah. So I am in EMT classes right now with Sean and Daniel, who you actually interviewed before. Yes, <laughs> my uh, good pals. Uh, love them very much. 
Daniel the sweetheart and Sean the asshole that we love dearly. (laughs) Hey, shout out to Donkus Bonkus. Donkus, love you. We're waiting for round two of uh, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, well, (laughs) he, um, he, I don't know if you know, if you've ever, uh, uh, I don't know if he's told you about his SoundCloud, but uh, he makes music under Shawnee. Uh, I can send it to you. <laughs> I'm upset. I'm finding this out right now. <laughs> oh, Sean, yeah. I have to answer to this one. It's actually like the first thing I ever knew about him was that he like made music on the side. I know that Sean makes music, but I didn't know that there was a SoundCloud attached to that. So I'm upset that I haven't it out myself. Sean, what the fuck? What? I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shawnee with an IE. Um, so anyway, you had, I, uh, you had class. Yeah, we had class this morning. So I get up at, or I'm supposed to get up at like 6 a.m. But of course I got up at 6.30 and then had to rush out of my house within 10 minutes to go get um, Sean and Daniel both. And we drive down to Oak Creek for class and then we're miserable for four hours. <laughs> um. <laughs> What's uh what's the unit yeah y'all are on right now? Uh we're actually so we just had an exam on yesterday. We had an exam on airways and now we're talking about medications or medical. So we went over the medications that someone who's licensed as an EMT can administer safely and by state license and protocol. And it was um, just a long day of listening to some old white men talk at us. Hmm. Sounds like uh, public academia. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a long day. I mean, it's good information. I do want to know this stuff. So I might be talking shit, but like it's shit that I want to know. I just am so... It's a long four hours very early in the morning when I am a bar that stays up till three in the morning <laughs> right right yeah and that and it, i mean it's like it helps that you know it's valuable information you know that you can apply to your work but you know when it's a bunch of like old uh curmudgeons wearing uh plaid shirts and blue jeans talk, teaching you said information it's uh it, it gets a little uh tedious also with their dad jokes and very patriarchal views. <laughs> it's great. My favorite part of class is when they say something like, I, I feel like, I don't remember exactly what one of our instructors said, but he said something about us living in such a communist society. And I remember Sean next to me just going like this. And I <laughs> died laughing. <laughs> It's like, dude, I fucking wish we lived. I'm saying, do you know <laughs> what the is, homie? Because I don't think that you do. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Is Joe Biden a radical leftist? <laughs> oh, God. You know that people think that. It's it's honestly, it's ridiculous. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm poking fun at. The fact that, um, like, people think he's, people like, on the right, like accuse him of socialist tendencies. And it's like, dude, I wish he was. I wish but, he was half of what you thought that he was. God damn, yeah. Uh, like but, you know, we exchange these little looks with each other whenever something said that none of us vibe with. We're like, 
mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, mm, that ain't it. That ain't it. <laughs> yeah. We had to do today. So instead of lecturing us, one of our instructors decided that he was going to tell us to split into groups and read a chapter and then present it back. And literally gave us all, so four groups, every group had three chapters to do and we had 30 minutes to learn it and then present it back to the class. So I'm like, first of all, we're not actually learning anything. This is you just being a lazy fuck, like enjoy your payday, bitch. But yeah. I was this third grade I, reading class. Literally, <laughs> I happened to have the lesson on gynecologic uh, emergencies. And I, I promise you, I was literally going to say ovary owning individuals just to throw him off and see if he wanted to have a conversation with me about gender binarism. And right. then he cut me off. And so I couldn't, I couldn't give my lecture to the class. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. yeah that, that would have like, it would have been so perplexed, you know, the, because it's such a patriarchal academic complex where like the teacher is unteachable and they get confronted with this paradox of of like the students actually presenting new information that challenges the status quo and they're all like oh no so that's not that's not what uh that's not what we're talking about like you know it's it's just so obsolete and it requires just a massive educational revolution you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> educational revolution is necessary for us to move forward, but I don't think that our generation is going to see that well, there's something wrong with our education system. I don't even want to like uh, pay heed to how much, how much debt I owe. Uh, <laughs> it's a crippling doom to think about, but uh, I like to just, I, I kind of just at this point, like, I feel like I've subliminally accepted I'm not paying that, you know? Same. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, Joe Biden's going to cancel it, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we really got to hold the Democrats accountable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's stupid. Also for education, the audacity of us being this much in debt to try to be better. It's ridiculous. Don't you like love how, you know, institutions profit off us, like basically societal criteria to know things to, to then benefit that said, uh, the system that these institutions are a part of. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of word salad, but you know, people, those who know, <laughs> know. they know, yeah. they know. What we're so Rocky. <laughs> Rocky, uh, so um, so what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so as mentioned before, so we met through um, organizing, um, you know, we uh, were, I know that you've uh, been, act, been involved with the People's Revolution and we, you uh, did some of that, uh, you were a field medic. Um, you were always on your bike you know like that's just what i associate with you're the, you're the medic on the bike you're you're the medic on the go 
and so the, and we also have like a lot of mutual friends you know i know you you bartend uh, shout out the mothership the shirt you're wearing right now i have to see the back of this good horny for mothership love that <laughs> shout out to ricky love you ricky kind of <laughs> yeah shout out to g baby Ricky promised me, everyone, everyone's going to know this now. Ricky promised me that we would get matching G-Baby tattoos. Say what? You've seen Hardball, right? I have not, actually, I don't think. Well, you need to watch Hardball. And I'm not going to tell you what happens, but we're getting matching G-Baby tattoos. Oh, oh sh should I turn this off and go watch it and then come back? And then we'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> one of them has to say, you a busta, and the other one has to say, roll up, bitch. And that's going to be mine and Ricky's tattoos. He promised. That's badass. Love it. Ricky, holding you to that. Holding you <laughs> to it, Rick. Uh, first time I ever actually, like, knew who Ricky was was when I saw Population Control at Cactus Club about two years ago. And he had to leave. Uh, he had to, like, leave, to, like, right after the set because he had to go work at the mothership. He, he's dedicated. I'll, I'll really give him that for sure. I love Ricky. Also, I, I'm get him to do a little population control thing for Mid Coast. <laughs> little, uh, little population control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that whole, that whole thing. Yeah, um, that would be cool. Actually, that would fucking, that would. Uh, I think, like, I don't know if you've ever seen them before, but that I band. And I, I haven't seen. Ricky won't even talk about it to me. And I'm just so sad because I deserve to see him perform. <laughs> Honestly, no, that band, like their like vigor and just grit and how just absolutely fucking raw they are with thrash metal power is the fucking energy the revolution needs right now. So yes, they definitely should hop on a mid-coast bill. Um like, wouldn't that be so dope? A metal band like rocking for the for the social revolution? Come on, amazing! That's why I've been asking him nonstop. I'm like, Ricky, please just do it, do it, do it, do it, please. It's my project, do it. We'll see. I hope he oh. does. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so the first time you and like, yes, we knew each other from like you know being out at marches and actions and stuff. But I actually like think we first met when. Um, my partner at the time, uh, we were getting my Ophelia's and you were there. I know you're close with them as well. Uh, they are adjacent to the mothership right now. Shout out to Jack and Chase. Uh, Jack was on the show a couple weeks ago and, um, uh, they talked about, uh, their, uh, constantly shifting menu, uh, and, uh, as well as the, uh, what's the word we use? The, uh, the mainstays of Maya Ophelia's and rap, rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it made me really start craving it again. I need to pay them a visit again soon. Oh, okay. me too. I cannot wait. I know they're reopening, I think this week, I think, I can't remember. I have to ask again, like we catch up once in a great, great while, yeah. but Jack are my literal angels. I pop in and I try to help them whenever I can or however I can. And actually we are highlighting them from Mid Coast Volume 3, which I'm very looking forward to. And I'm excited that they'll be there then, hopefully COVID or pending COVID stuff. But um, I'm excited. I love them. Chase is my oldest friend. Really? 
Yeah. Literal oldest friend. Like our moms were best friends. Oh, word. So oh, that's face. And we went some years without talking to each other, but now we're back and everything's normal. And I loved it. I actually talked to Jack probably more than I talked to Chase, only for the fact that Jack and I talk way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. That's that's awesome. You, you want to hear a cute story? Yes. If it has to do anything with Jack and Chase, absolutely 100%. Totally does. Uh, so about a year ago now, um, this is like literally the week before lockdown, but um, I hosted uh, like a day long event at uh, Cactus Club. Um, it was really fun. Uh, it was awesome. But it was literally like that weekend before lockdown. And I remember like I wanted to get a bite to eat for dinner. And like I, I was just like, I wanted to just walk somewhere close. Like, and I knew my old feels was like based in Bayview. Um, and I was like, I've heard so many good things. Like, I want to, I, I definitely want to try it. So I like walked over to the bar and I asked Kelsey, I was like, Hey, where's uh, where's my Ophelia's from here? Like, I really want to try it. And she she goes, I am obsessed with the fact that you thought it was a physical location. <laughs> I ended up getting a panini at that that uh, that like um, that like deli right across the street. Yeah, I love grappies. Their paninis are also literally the biggest sandwiches you will ever get in your entire life. It was fire. Yeah, it filled me up. It was like my childhood thing. I used to walk there when I was a kid. Mm. So that being said, so you, did you grow, grow up in Bayview? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up down kind of by Saijon Park. Okay, awesome. So a question I've been asking people on the show lately, and I'm interested in what you have to say is, when you were a kid, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> Um, I have a couple answers to this one. According to my big brother, I wanted to be a quote garbage picker, unquote. But you know, I hear they have great benefits. Yeah. Uh, other one is, and this is funny because we're talking about music at some point. <laughs> I wanted to be a drummer so bad. Mm, like so I wanted to be a drummer. That was like my thing. I was even taking lessons and I like had this. I wanted to be this like grungy rock star, whatever. And then the guy that was supposed to be giving me lessons died of a drug overdose, which is like the most rock star thing that could have happened. Also very tragic. Don't even remember his name. Um, and then it just and then it just stopped. Yeah. And then I played clarinet instead. <laughs> oh shit! I play clarinet too. <laughs> I, I was uh, start on clarinet. <laughs> well, for me, it was Squidward. Like I just that was. I think that's why like so many kids ended up playing clarinet. But um, no, I was like a total like SpongeBob geek when I was a kid. So yeah. I played clarinet and saxophone in middle school. Remind me before we leave this conversation to tell you the SpongeBob tattoo that I'm supposed to be getting by Robbie Pauly in the near future. <laughs> well, first of all, shout out to Robbie Pauly, very talented artist. <laughs> and a sweetheart. And a sweetheart. And then, and on to your texts. What, life doesn't fucking make sense right now. I was like, we can't no. respond to texts. Are you kidding me? I'm surprised you and I communicated enough to do this. <laughs> Honestly, so am I. And look at how hard it was to get here. <laughs> for real, for real. Kind of like tying this into like what we'll get into. So 
when you were like I guess like what was kind of like your introduction to becoming like class conscious and like getting getting like an idea of like you know radical politics I, I'm kind of just, I'd love to just kind of hear like your your road to radicalization really it's actually really funny because <laughs> I remember being in first grade and telling people I'm a Republican which is the most ridiculous thing to think about me being like I'm a Republican um but I think that growing up so I don't have a relationship with my father he is one of my least favorite human beings that exists um in a very unfortunate way but he is extremely conservative extremely ignorant um he's been racist my entire life and I'm my I mean my mother is an immigrant <laughs> so it's been a very confusing existence there but I think because he is so right like on the right that I realized that I I never agreed and it never sat with me well but I mean when I was real young obviously I was like I just agree with what my dad says because it's my dad and then the older I got and the more educated I got and the more comfortable and confident I got in having my own individual opinions and identity then I was like wait no that's fucked up <laughs> I don't like what you have to say and I actually um even in high school I wasn't outspoken at all I was I was always like I just don't like to talk politics whatever because it was this very you know, abrasive topic at home for me whenever I'd speak to my father I mean literally I would walk out of family parties arguing with him it was, it got bad sometimes, but then I go to college and I'm away from all of that. And all of a sudden I'm like having these conversations with people who are like-minded or not like-minded, but able to have them without like some family trauma attached to it. And then, you know, the, the leftist in me blossomed. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you. Uh, well, for one, um, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's some vulnerable shit. And that sort of apprehension to become like outspoken in like what you believe to be politically righteous is valid as fuck. Like tracing back to that family kind of stuff. Um, I get that, like that makes sense. Uh, and I was similar to you, like I also, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago you know, I grew up in like a pretty, I like, I grew up with a lot of privileges growing up, like being totally transparent. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to talk about it, like well into high until college. And it, like you said, like you're kind of like exposed to all these different like ways of thought and you're in on a public college campus and there's all these different ideas and people of so many different backgrounds swarming you know student union and you're just you you definitely start like exploring you know like you explore um like what you feel like resonates with you and i definitely like um went through you know my uh, joe rogan phase when i was in college i i definitely like had i struggled with like what i believed but by the end of college i was like at this, like after I learned like Marxist theory in my senior seminar in journalism, like at that point, like it was just unavoidable that I would 
reach a finality in like resonating with socialism it's like you can't unknow the things that you get exposed to like once you learn marxism and at that point i'm like okay i guess i'm a socialist but (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i mean i didn't it took me like two years to really like even like think about really doing anything with that you know so well it's also we're taught so wrong you know like we were saying earlier about educational revolution like we're taught so many things false and so we have this fear of the word socialism we have this fear of the communism and even in in people who are like my revolutionary peers out at these protests and stuff or whatever I'm involved in with organizing there's some people who like there was someone who literally next to me was like oh we don't like the s word when somebody said socialism and I, I literally just was like I feel like you're lacking a concept of what that actually is and someone it's said someone said that out at a at a march yeah and it was just one of those moments for me that I was just like wow we really just don't know like we don't know what that means and we're, we're teaching it wrong like when I was a kid and I'm telling you this very conservative father of mine was a huge history channel buff like straight up band of brothers was my shit when I was a kid and I was I was like yeah fuck them commies mm-hmm. and now I am like <laughs> One time I was talking to my dad and he was like, have fun with your socialism. And I was like, I like to consider myself a little bit more of a communist, but we'll do. See you. <laughs> That's badass. I. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, one of my, one of my favorite video games when I was a kid was Metal Gear Solid 3, where you like, you're like a U.S. spy in the Soviet Union and you have to like take out all the KGB agents. And sh- so it's like, it, it, that shit is like, what you're saying about like how we're taught so wrong. I mean, the westernized uh, re-envisionment of history and like this idea of like communism as this, you know, evil bloodthirsty empire. It's so indoctrinated in like so much of the media that like we grew up with. And it takes, it's like you, it's almost like a conquest to unlearn it all get down to the nitty-gritty of like what like socialism and communism and also learning about u.s imperialism and Mm. like it's it's very it's an arduous and also very like tumultuous process to unlearn and unpack all of that so i mean like i get it that people just i i kind of try to just meet people where they're at but at the same time, it's like if, for example, you see you hear someone say that, like, oh, we don't like the S word, or like they're out at a like a, a a march for racial justice. It's like, you know, the people you're touting as heroes, the ones you're following footsteps in, mm-hmm. they were socialists. So like benefit from so many socialist programs that you don't even realize are socialist programs. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, uh, you know the the postal service, <laughs> <laughs> like libraries or transportation. That's, yeah, libraries, transportation, public education, which, like, 
you know, our city here has been fucking decimated from. It's hard. It's hard because it's like our U.S. media has discouraged so much of that, like, reading further, you know, like. And so that's so many people just sit in the convenience of just what they're comfortable with knowing. And uh, I, I mean, we're seeing that again right now with like all these people that are just so comfortable with the fact that a Democrat is in office again. Mm-hmm. But, but what has changed? He's literally backpedaled on every fucking thing he promised on the campaign trail. Yep. And that's what we we're worried about even before the election, you know, is that people were going to just be content or complacent, I should say, once this happened. And here we are seeing that happening. I, I mean, like, I hope that people are. I know because I'm I'm I see them a decent amount, but I know there's still people out here fighting, but it just feels like so many people are missing. Like, where is everybody that I used to stand next to? last summer yeah where's everyone that was out on the streets like mad where the fuck are you now and it can be really disheartening and I get that you know we're all struggling and we all have to find our way to survive and scrape by through this so like some of you are back at work some of you are dealing with your family some of you are dealing with situations where you you can't be out anymore but it just it feels rough to see no one you know, you feel abandoned in the fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why, you know, if it, like you said, like if you can, if you're physically unable to um, be out in the streets and continue like organizing regularly, and like I understand not everyone can do that, but the conversations need to keep going. Ultimately, like everything that was brought to light through these uprisings about mm-hmm. just how much of folks that are non-black have benefited from black culture like in terms of media and art and clothing and Literally. music <laughs> food everything like so much of it the clothes you wear the things you think are cool the words you use the music you like all that shit, like everything has taken immense influence from black culture. And for you to just not recognize that and mm-hmm. think that, you know, people are just being sensitive and everyone's getting offended by everything. And oh my God. when people say shit like that now, the whole like, oh, this, this new world is so sensitive. It's like, no, we're not. We're not oversensitive. We're actually just calling you out and holding you accountable for the first that's time. Right. Difference. Precisely. And that's another thing, like where pe- this outrage over cancel culture, like people, like you realize that cancel culture wouldn't even be a thing if people just took accountability. Like if accountability was taken seriously, like just like, you, me, and everyone else like have to fucking check ourselves on our shit. Like, oh God, imagine a world where people actually internally reflected though. <laughs> gee, it's, it's, you can't say that. And, and, uh, the U S of a, uh, in the same sentence, uh, <laughs> not too much because Americans are just entitled and lazy and refuse to, it's just so insular. 
Western culture is just so fucking insular. We're the greatest nation in the world. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, amazing. Just growing up really thinking that too, you know, and I even thought I was going to go to the military. Another thing I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be like an Air Force pilot, like a fighter pilot or something. And I was like so excited and so many people in my family were in the military. And then now I'm broke as fuck. And my family, why don't you join the military? And I'm like, cause that's a motherfucking trap. And it's also a, one of the biggest polluters in the entire globe. It's a give and take, you know? <laughs> I there's not a chance in hell you guys should stop bringing it up love you bye <laughs> yeah so so what what really uh, drove you to start getting more like um politically active and like you know kind of organizing out in the streets in the last year like what like what kind of like really inspired you to take that step I think the biggest thing for me with what was happening last summer is that when I was in, I was still in college when we had the riots here years ago, 2016, I think. And watching that from far away and, and watching neighborhoods that I used to hang out with or hang out with my friends in, you know, burning and all this just shit happening and not being able to do a goddamn thing about it was really difficult and was scary as hell. And so knowing I was right here, what was my excuse? I didn't have, I don't, there is none. And so I just did what I felt was right. And to be out there and I somehow found like a, you know, you go out and you, you feel like you're, you have to find some kind of a meaning to be out. And I, I, I found a route to be there that made me feel like I was contributing more than just being a body out. And that's why I ended up doing like field medicing when I was out. I don't know. I just, it just was hard to watch from far away. And so when I was right here and things are happening, like I know I need to fight for my city and I was, I, you know, I am in global health. So I'm in grad school for global health, which is basically public health, but on a global scale. Um, and that was my plan that or med school, but that's how I was going to try to, you know, help my community. And then all of a sudden this, this thing is happening in my community. And there's these things that I might've like, kind of, I was kind of a social justice, like keyboard warrior before mm -hmm. last year, yeah. I'd been up and stuff before I didn't really do anything else, but that reality of that, like looking me in the face and me not doing anything more than just talking my shit online. It just wasn't enough to me anymore. I, I appreciate you saying that. Like, that's, that's real as fuck. Like I, I, um, for one, I'm super proud of you for taking that leap. Um, and you know, committing to that. Um, especially being medic, you know, putting your yourself and your safety on a line to ensure others' safety. Like that's like that's fucking grand. Um, and yeah, like I I feel similarly. Like I went to my first protest I ever went to was in 2019, the summer. I went to the Never Again Action protest of. of um, ice the ice facility downtown 
um, and it was organized by, it was one of the organizers, someone I knew, like he was a friend of mine. So like, I felt comfortable, like knowing someone I was comfortable with was going to be there, you know, and mm -hmm. I ended up going, I, I mean, I felt great after doing it, but I was like, wow, like, you know, I actually like, you know, kind of joined like the crowd and like making our voices heard and like, you know, and being as like, I'm you know, like, I'm a socialist Jew and I believe that we as Jews, like we should know oppression when we see it. That's what really made me like want to be out there that day and stand for, you know, the immigrants and migrants and refugees that are just, that are seeking asylum right now or kids getting kept in cages or getting separated from their families. It's like, how, how is anyone going to see that? And like, and like, look for justification for it. Like, it's just, I, I don't get yeah. you terrible things happening. How are you still trying to find reasons? Yeah. And like, where it's like, you're actively looking for it. It's not like, it's like, you see that and like you you think critically about it like oh you know that is fucked up instead it's like oh it's like that devil's advocate voice in your head where you're actively searching for like reasons to like critique leftists or liberals or whatever because it's, it's against up. the law like it's like but but who wrote these laws you know, like, just because it's a law doesn't mean it's just, doesn't mean it's not racially and socially fucking prejudiced or fucking biased. So I went to that protest and, but I still didn't do anything after that for a while. And I honestly think that like the pandemic and like being in quarantine just made me really like as did for many reflect on like what how do I want to be a better person you know I sure it's like I I have a sense of right and wrong in this world but it's like it's not just enough to just you know share things on Facebook and uh, you know like interview people about social justice sometimes and Mr. Nice Guy like that's just like sure like that's cool but it's not enough so that's what and really enticed me to get more involved. Perfect storm of getting involved too. It, it was definitely, I mean, the last year has been such a time of reflection on ourselves and the things that we want out of life. And that's where I think, you know, again, for me too, same thing. I, it just like reinvigorated this in me where I'm like reflecting on myself and what I want out of my life and what I want out of my community. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with myself? What am I doing with my time? And yeah. this is what and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, it's time for me to fight for what I want, fight for what I want for everybody around me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like exactly. And like the Bernie thing at the for, in the primary, that was definitely like the tipping point for me too, where I was like, okay, but like literally the next day, I was like, what do we do now? And and like all at this point, and I'm sure you can agree with this, like at this point, it's not an option. Like fighting for justice and being politically outspoken and 
showing up and being in solidarity and fighting the good fight, all of that shit. It's not, it's not like, it's not just a hobby of mine. Like, it's just, it's like this shit is like, it, like it is so fucking imperative to me to, to do everything I can. It's like, because yes, like, I cover the music scene. Yes, I love movies. Yes, I love exploring Milwaukee food. Yes, I love nature. Yes, I love to travel. I love all that shit. But guess what? Like, all of the marginalized communities and folks, like Black and Brown folks, LGBTQ plus folks, like, and people from around the world that have made such beautiful food and art and music that I regularly digest and consume and get so fucking ensnared by emotionally like every day of my life all that shit was made possible by people that don't look like me yeah and and it would be unjust inhumane lazy and complacent if I didn't go out there and be like yo like if I want to go back to my life and enjoy all this shit and keep enjoying it and like sharing things I think are cool and beautiful with people, then guess what? I need to fight to keep like the voices and the souls and the communities of people that are making all this shit that is really important to me possible. And I have the privilege of just consuming that, you know, exactly that but look the line has been drawn in the sand and if you're not standing on the correct side of it you're standing on the wrong side of it there is no in-between wishy-washy shit anymore we're not like i'm just we're there is no gray area here this is black and white now miss me with that centrist bullshit like i know that a lot of people that don't consider themselves radicalized yet like may not call like I feel like a lot of people are socialists and they just don't even fucking realize it because of the miseducation around that word yes exactly just like I was saying earlier about that you know this one specific person that said I'm like "Eh, I don't know I feel like you probably agree with me a lot more than you think you do literally like and that's why it's like people that are like, oh, like, oh no, I'm not like, I guess I'm pretty moderate. But then they like list off things that they think are like right in this world. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't think we should be bombing people in the Middle East. I don't think, you know, I, I think that like we should have better health care. And like, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't like ever want to take people's like, like gay people's rights away or trans people's rights away. It's like, okay. Like, <laughs> go, go on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll be fighting for we're gonna be for the rest of our lives. This fight is not gonna be over. We say that we're gonna be out here fighting so that our kids don't have to. They will. But we'll be fighting. And I've accepted that. I know that this is my life. Because capitalism and the ruling class are not going down without a fight. A big one. And they've got a lot more money than we do. And they got bigger guns too. <laughs> um, yeah, they they've got they've got toys, but you know what? Like, 
I'm just, but at the same time, like I, I wouldn't have met people like you, like amazing people like you and amazing people like the folks in TPR and PSL and, you know, Marker and just all of our comrades that are out there in the streets. Like I wouldn't have met like all these really dope people that I would be friends with in real life, you know, like it's just, this is the catalyst is that, you know, we all recognize that this is a moral imperative. So um, that being said, so like what, what actually like, um, so, so that was the conversation about getting politically radicalized. What about becoming a medic? Well, so I went to college and I have a bachelor's in human biology. I actually intended initially to go to PT school and then it was med school and then this and that happened and everything financial sucks in this world. Um, but I had already had experience there and I knew that that was kind of a, an industry that I was interested in, had experience in and liked doing. And it was a way that I could feel more useful um, and not so in the way, I guess. So it just kind of naturally was there. I actually also, it happened kind of on accident. I was, so I used to be in a medic collective. I'm no longer in the medic collective, but that medic collective happened where one of my good friends who I believe is still in that collective, it was his birthday. And I was like, why don't you stop by the mothership? Um, I'll buy you a couple of drinks there. And he invited the people who started the medic collective where they had their first meeting instead of celebrating his birthday. And it just kind of, I just kind of accidentally happened upon it. Mm. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> right place, right time. Yeah, kind of, sort of. But again, I, I've worked in the industry. So I used to work in the emergency room. I was a CNA. It just kind of all fit. Fixing boo-boos. Yeah, fixing everybody's boo-boos. Since being like out in the streets and organizing, being with TPR, like what are some of the biggest things like you feel like you've learned and taken away and like really just things that you feel like have been most eye-opening? Definitely. Well, one, my biggest takeaway is this built family that I now have where, you know, I have a lot of really close friends who I love very dearly that I'm just not as close to anymore because they don't necessarily align with the future that I want. And <laughs> we had talked about this in, in a group meeting with TPR actually that um, it was like a smaller group meeting, but we have, uh, we keep calling it trauma bonding. I keep calling it trauma bonding where I might not have known. There's so many people that I'm, I, I love with my entire soul who I've known for less than a year, but it's just different. It's this, we went through something really big together and therefore you are my family and I will have your back forever. And so that's definitely my biggest takeaway is all of these human beings who I just love so deeply that I, I don't even know well, but I know them in a, a very different lens. So it's definitely something interesting to me where like, there are so many people who I, I might never have talked to in life outside of this. And maybe we wouldn't actually like each other that much, 
but I know that I love them now because I know that we're in this fight together and I trust them. You know, it's, it's just different, but that aside, you know, it's, it's everybody's perspective for sure. And learning so much about what everybody else struggled through and what they understand and how they view the world and, and even turning the lens back on myself where I talk all the shit about other people not critiquing themselves. I sure as hell learned how to look at what I'm doing a lot more and making sure that I'm not causing harm where I can. I definitely am a lot more critical on myself in a, in a much healthier way than I was before. Totally. And that right there is such a crucial part to it's self love in a way. Like it's, like holding yourself radically accountable is such a beautiful thing that I encourage and implore everyone to really, really like look inwardly about because the work starts internally. It does. And quite frankly, like once you hold yourself accountable for your shit, like acknowledging when you did or said stupid or hurtful or just dumb like shit you shouldn't have done or said or believed which is something that I struggled with I have struggled with for years you know like where I I beat myself up over how long it took for me to get radicalized and like come to terms with the way things are and uh, who I kept around for so long and shit like that. And, but the beauty of that, that comes with that accountability is learning to forgive yourself for it too. Yeah. Once, once you forgive yourself for all of that, like that baggage, you learn to, you fall back in love with yourself. It's like a big reset button. And you, and like you, you feel like, you know what? Like, I don't have to be defined by the shit that I'm not proud of. If I work actively to, to fucking make a difference now. And since doing that, like I've learned to fall back in love with myself. I love that. That's such a good way to put it. It's so true. There, during the women's march, there was one of the women's marches. We did um, like a meditation together where we were hugging ourselves and saying, I'm sorry, I love you. And I shit you not. This is so embarrassing. I cried because I was like, oh my God, I, I don't say that to myself enough. It was nuts. Also on that note, speaking of like somebody who's open about holding themselves accountable, I just want to note very quickly that that's another thing that's been extremely important to me is having somebody like Sean Page in my life, which I don't know if you know Big shout out to Sean Page. Sean is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And, and in terms of like really holding yourself accountable to your past self, Sean is a fucking gem of a human and exactly who we should all strive to be. I love Sean. And the fact that Sean will talk openly about his history also, and like, not that it's, it's not like, I'm not ashamed of my past. It's not that it's like this, this is who I was. I was a shithead and look at me now and what I've, what I have now and who these people that I love dearly are now in my life. Oh, I love that human. Oh yeah. 
love I love Sean, and he's a good example of somebody. I don't know him well. Like we've talked in passing at marches a couple times, but like I have so much honor and like respect and like just I have so much love for that guy because I like I see his posts on Facebook just today. Like he was just saying remarkable things about how black women are the fucking backbone of our society. And like, and that cannot be overlooked just because it's not black history month anymore. And just how, yeah, like I, I see the shit he says, you know, where he like, he's a great example of not only an ally, but specifically a comrade. Um, yeah, no, I he's someone I want to get to know better for sure. Like he's someone I, I, I love that human. I I'm telling you, please get to know Sean better. To know Sean is to love Sean. That's, it's a promise. I love that. Sean, I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> um, so this this concert series started um in the last couple months here. Um I guess I'll I'll give it to you to talk about this where this idea came from and just like how it came to fruition. So um I started I, I spend a lot of time with Sean, as we've already covered. I spend ungodly amounts of time with Sean. Yeah, we've given love to two Sean's on this show. I apparently just really like Sean's. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I spend a lot of time with Sean. And um, I had been talking to him about um, how I was like, what if we did kind of like they did Flannel Fest, right? Because I'm in the Boone family and I'm like, what if we did like a Flannel Fest, but it's a huge fundraiser for social justice, right? So I'm like talking about how I want to do this thing. And it was supposed to be like an art gallery too when it was COVID safe or whatever and just do this huge fundraiser. And at the same time as that's happening, Hunter and Steph, who are a part of the Midcoast team and literal angel babies from above. Um, I call people angel baby a lot. You just get used to it. <laughs> but they're, I guess, having a very similar conversation about doing like a monthly um, virtual music thing. And so Sean was like, well, we're going to do a thing. Why don't you join one of these meetings? So all of a sudden I'm thrown into this meeting with Steph and Hunter and Carson and Noah, who are all a part of the team. And I have no idea what the fuck is going on. And so I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And I, it just kind of all came together where all of a sudden it was our ideas just kind of meshing into one. And then all of our connections in the city helping us kind of just bring it to fruition. So here we are now just kind of scrambling to figure it the fuck out. <laughs> and was, was the first installment, was that January? Yes. We had no. started putting it together in like November, November, December-ish. We really had like one and a half, two months to put the first show together. And all the pieces just kind of fell into place. And now here we are. <laughs> yeah. A out from the third yeah yeah which is very exciting um this will be out just in time for that so how is it set up so i know it's like several artists um that you know all get their set times and whatnot so and it's like donation based right mm -hmm. 
So we've been, obviously we're on the third volume. So we're still kind of working out here. It's bumps and bruises along the way. We're inventing the wheel right now and then it'll run smoothly eventually. So the first show we had two organizations we were working with, Planned Parenthood and Butterfly Collective. And we had, I think four artists and we had them send in videos where we were doing them like the intermission and the beginning where they're talking about the organizations and we're taking patients through GoFundMe, et cetera. And then all of us were like so high off of that first one that we were like, let's do five music artists this time. And then, and, you know, we're just figuring it out. So really what it is now, and I think that this is our blueprint for the time being. We're gonna do four music artists, we're gonna do their thing. And again, we're focusing on local music artists. We want the local people who maybe, like we had in both of the, the volumes we've done so far, we've had a performer that has never performed before. And that's I noticed, like, I, I noticed that and that's fucking awesome. I just, I would love to see that continue to happen. If this is your chance to go perform, come perform, hit us up. I don't care. Like, I'd love to see Trinity Grace is 17. Oh, Rocky, like legit, your bells at Midcoast gave us stuff at Breaking and Entering to find and cover. Like, yes, I love like, that. I actually, we, we covered uh, Trinity Grace's new album that came out in like November. Like from seeing that bill, I was like, oh shit, this girl's like 17 and she has a debut album and she's like part of this really rapidly growing R&B scene. Like, and then I'm like, dude, like y'all have given us artists at Breaking and Entering to like, to keep on our radar. Validating. It is so validating because that's what we want. I want to see, ideally, I would want to see Mid Coast grow to something that is for all of like people that don't have a place in the industry yet to just get one. Yeah. And, and that's for like, let's go local, small artists, whoever, like reach out, let's do it. I, I love that so much. Hell yeah. <laughs> And that's so fucking, that's see, that is also what the music scene could be, you know, with that, you know, with, with just that like empowering and uplifting and just so like inclusive model of like giving people platforms. Like, you know, it's, it's not an old conversation at this point about just how there's, you know, there are some hierarchical tendencies in the music scene of like who gets picked for what and who's gonna draw people in and shit like that and yeah we're blowing that shit up we sure fucking are and mid coast right here is fucking killing it from the start with bringing young artists that have like may have never performed before onto a stage as a cooperage like like Holy fuck. I mean, that's, that is a, a fucking esteemed venue to play at for one. Second of all, like, thanks Dal. just how youth centered, like, uh, the bills have been too. I mean, I know y'all have negative positive coming up in a couple weeks and, um, like those girls fucking rock too. Like they're alumni of, of girls rock MKE and, uh, Aggie Silver actually just dropped a fire new song uh, this past weekend, um, which I'll send to you. It's Sad Girl Indie Pop. Wonderful. Um, we covered that on the site yesterday. 
but that's they're such a good band and and uh you actually i noticed like i actually discovered another artist from the new bill that got announced petty hendrix i saw he dropped something new and now i have him on schedule to cover his new song that just came out a couple weeks ago like i'm finding new artists from what you guys are doing so like yeah what i'm saying is like it's you're making an impact like with mid coast already and i'm and in a time where so many of us so crave shows and local live music right now like this is a really really awesome uh thing y'all are doing right now that is truly so validating and feels so good to hear because I, I can't tell you. There's a lot of work that we've been going into it, but I just, I'm so happy to hear that because we want it to be exactly that. I want every, I've discovered new people through this. There are so many, I listen to so much more local music now since we've started the shows because it's introducing them all to me. There's some people that we've had on that I, I hadn't heard of before. And now I'm literally playing it for my bar patrons and they just have to deal with it. I said so. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and it is already like showing the results. I'm and, so excited to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be part <laughs> of it. What you're doing also is something that, another aspect that I personally like, also it's very important to me personally because like when i had just started getting into booking shows like pre-covid like this is an aspect that i felt was super necessary to help bring more unity um and inclusivity to the milwaukee music scene is every perf like is the diversity of musical style and like not just like i mean identity of course of like the different artists and also just like everything is something different i mean you, last month's uh installment you had dog bad which is like a surf indie rock band but then also had trinity grace r&b singer also had uh peroxide a hardcore punk band and then also had ftbk a hip-hop artist and that melting pot of different like um, sonic uh, expressions and uh, um, styles and stuff like that is exactly like what I think is the future of Milwaukee music. So I, definitely something that we're we're um, we might not always achieve that, but that's something we keep in mind when we're moving around conversations about the artists we want to bring on we want that diversity like shit give me whatever kind of artist you can come up with throw them our way like anything random whatever like there's a an edm artist that we're gonna have coming up um we have a a trap metal artist you know like just anything like i want to see all of it because it's about the music you know, it's like all of us appreciate the music for what it is. And it's not like, oh, I only like R&B. I only want to listen to R&B. Fuck that. Throw that away. Listen to this surf rock band and then end it with some because I feel like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And like, and that's also you look at it now, just even in, in 
the popular music sphere. Like that's also just the direction music is going on a high profile too, is like music is getting a lot less stratified. I mean, people are bringing all kinds of fusion and blending different elements of different styles of music. Like you said, trap metal. I mean, that's a real fucking thing right now. Like people are doing it and bringing, you know, electronic music into hip hop, bringing electronic music into rock music, you know, bringing uh, jazz into pop and EDM and all kinds of different culminations of like ideas are producing really unique and innovative and forward-thinking artists right now. And I mean, we're seeing that, like I, I've been seeing that like since I, in the last year, writing for Breaking and Entering, I mean, some of the, some of the artists we've been watching most closely are like not genre purists at all. Yeah. Uh, Carson, who was in our first show and is a part of our team, and Kem, who actually just joined our team and performed at the last show, I think it was during Kem's interview that they were talking about what genre, you know, they like to do the best, but the reality is it's so hard to define now. Yeah. Genres aren't, aren't so like this or that at all. They're dying. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like I'm, which is a good thing. Like I'm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's doing my heart good to like watch what mid coast is doing. Um, and so that being said, so with this upcoming installment, uh, so, uh, what are the, uh, orgs y'all are working with this time? So this time around we're, we're, so we changed the, the formula again, we're doing four artists and with a little bit longer of sets and we're doing interviews in between now, because we want to also allow them to have a voice like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm, what project I was working on. This is what I am working on. And this is a little bit of my personality. So we're doing that with the interviews. And then we also want to give a little bit more time to the org so that we're it just felt rushed before we're not giving them as much attention as they deserve so we're only going to do one org this time and that's i think our blueprint moving forward um but we're doing myophilias near and dear to my heart near and dear to your heart and near and dear to everybody's stomachs <laughs> so my little jack and chase um we'll be we'll be talking with them oh yeah that's that's awesome that's that's a great formula uh, I love the interview aspect. Um, that's that's an often overlooked aspect of like, you know, doing events and series like these. And I mean, as you know, I'm the sucker for a good interview. So um, that's that's uh, that's awesome that uh, y'all are implementing that. And um, yeah, and I, I think for for artists is perfect. You know. It was, we tried expanding because we were all so just excited after the first one that we were like, we want more, not realizing we could just ask for longer sets and stuff. <laughs> and that we'll be doing this for the unforeseeable future. Yeah. And that's another, that's another thing is like, you can do this, this can, this will go on if y'all, you know, if it stays intact, it could go on well beyond pandemic these could turn into mm -hmm. physical shows 
and they could become maybe more frequent installments. You can take it in so many directions now that you started it. God, you know, this is this is what's fucking awesome it's, about like it's crazy to think like there's so many directions this could go, and it it was started from something that was supposed to be like casual. And now here we are, like, all right, what can we do? And we we've talked about all of those things. Like, I'm so excited for COVID, first of all for people to stop dying from COVID and for all of us to feel safe to see people and hug people. Um, But that aside, (laughs) had to be on brand for a second, Um, but to do it live, you know, do we continue to do virtual shows? Do we have live shows? What do we do from there and what can it look like? And if we do go live, can we have vendors come in and can we have artists come in and do like live art shows because that's a whole ass other thing I wanted to do originally I don't know if you remember me saying in the very beginning I wanted it to be like an art show where people would donate their artwork and sell it for the cause that we chose that month or whatever it is this is sick this is so yeah how this happened but being back involved and also when I was in college I actually um was a for a split second because I I actually started as an architecture major and then I dropped and then it was planning to go to PT school. And then all of a sudden I was uh, in sports industry and I actually have a minor in that or just barely didn't finish it. I can't remember now. feels like a million years ago, but I was in um, music industry and I had a film industry minor for a while before I dropped and didn't finish them, of course, per usual. Um, but it's because I wanted to score film. Oh yeah. So this has like reinvigorated my creativity and love for this. And I just randomly am back in it again. And it feels so good and so wholesome. And to be able to use this passion that I have for something and still also try to better my community and help my community. And even in just raising awareness about resources in the community, it just feels so good. I'm so grateful for the fucking mid coast team. I'm so grateful for Sean for bringing Steph into my life. I'm just so grateful. Everything you're saying is resonating hard with like what you've said about how, you know, previous interests you had are resurfacing through this really community community oriented initiative to like bring a lot of different facets of like, what makes our community so enriched and powerful and beautiful is all coming together in one place. And like, exactly, this is exactly why, like, this is what I want to like do in some way. Like I want, I want to be involved in this kind of stuff for the rest of my life too. You know, like I want, I want to do everything in my power to like move Milwaukee's creative sphere to the to the spotlight you know like I want folks to want to come from outside into Milwaukee to see what we've got going on here and what and this what you're doing exactly is like what Midcoast is doing like this this formula is with all the with several different bringing several different facets into like who is getting empowered and whose voices are being heard like you know, that's, that's what I want shows to look like from now on. And 
you know, clothing vendors, food vendors, art vendors, like. Yeah, he's so cool, right? Oh, it'd be fuck awesome. yeah. Big old thing. I yes. can't wait. Oh. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, well, Rocky, so lovely to have you on the show tonight. Uh, I had a wonderful time. For sure, I really miss you. Thank you for thinking I'm important enough to talk to. <laughs> well, you, uh, you know how you were saying in the last year, like you, people you've known for less than a year, like you, you love very much. Well, that's, that's how I feel about you. Oh, I love you, Ben. That's so sweet. Love you too, Rocky. <laughs> Hell Cheers. yeah. Yeah. I'm out of beer, but. Uh, I'm not. I'm high. I'm hydrated. So those are closing out. Um, to ask everyone the same two things uh, on the way out. First is Rocky. What keeps you up at night? Oh God, existing. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's valid. Uh, well, on a lighter note, the second question is, what puts you to sleep? Um, snuggles from my cute little dog who's nowhere near me right now because he's upset at me for ignoring him this entire time. <laughs> Shout out to Mochi. It's again. Um, <laughs> thank you for being on the show. For sure. Thank you for having me. You're super welcome. For everyone watching, I will be tagging um, the People's Revolution as well as Mid Coast, uh, so you can check out um, their wonderful uh, work they're doing to uplift social justice, art, music. Oh, hi, Mochi. <laughs> Cutie. Hi, buddy. You know that my dog had to be on there at least once. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, there's been many pets that have cameo that Mr. Nice Guy for sure. Um, so yeah, I'll be tagging uh, Mid Coast so you can check out the work they're doing to uplift art, music, and social justice. Um, stay tuned for uh, the future installments, the next of which is going to be March 19th. Um, yeah, uh, thank you again for watching Mr. Nice Guy and uh, we will see you next time.